you know, uh, you know, it, it has been 10 years. And one of the things that I feel like is really unique is we got to come into a church that was healthy. You know, there was already an environment here where they were already encountering God. They already had a real strong prophetic move. They were, they were stronger in the prophetic than we were. And uh, they really want to encounter God. They really had a hunger for kind of the Bethel flow. And so it really was like a hand in glove. So for the, the people who are here who raise your hands, I just want to say thank you for making it easy, for partnering with us for, uh, I think I was 30, 36 back then, uh, and uh, just for letting a 36-year-old make a whole bunch of mistakes and give me a whole bunch of grace and uh, believing in us. So I, Mary and I are just so grateful. We brag on you guys everywhere we go, but we got to come to a healthy church and not one that needed a whole bunch of... 180 degree turns, and so uh, so thank you guys for that. We so appreciate you. So, Amen. All right. One thing we did not get to talk about is this time last year we did not have uh, we did not have a contract on the Normandy building, and so the Normandy building. My wife had a vision of a, a building with a row of windows overlooking the state house. She saw herself releasing worship, displacing principalities, doing a whole bunch of good things. Uh, another, uh, Linda Franklin, one of her intercessors, had the same vision, row of windows overlooking the state house. She saw red curtains in it, and I was doing a whole bunch of things. It's the same vision that Mary had. And so we're like, man, we really need to pursue this thing. Mary goes down and finds the building. We begin feeling like, you know, the top two floors really need to be girls coming out of human trafficking. So there's this, it's been like a, almost a three-year process of trying to get the building, them rejecting our offers, all this stuff. So just to update you, we have a contract on the building. The asking price was $1.4 We got the contract for $900,000. we have raised a little over 20% of that right now. And so now we're kind of uh, looking at this thing with a wide-angle lens. It's like, okay, God, you know, one option is a loan, and we don't, we're not like, yay, God, we're moving on a loan. One good thing about the loan is with a 20% down payment, and the remaining balance is there's a bagel shop on the lower floor that pays $5,000 a month rent, which would cover the mortgage. And so, um, so that's, that's awesome, but we're just really trying to just hear God on this thing. You know, we're pursuing grants. We're looking at uh, other churches that want to sow into this thing. And so um, we still need money. So do not be afraid to give. <laughs> okay? And so maybe some of you have heard we're doing a benefit dinner on Friday, November 9th. That's where you can bring your, your doctors, your, uh, your attorneys, your bosses, uh, business people you know that have a heart for the city. Uh, <clears throat> translation people with money who, um, who would love to give towards, uh, to give towards a project like that. And so we are planning that benefit dinner as if we're getting the building. The contract is due October 31st. And so just pray that our leadership has wisdom. We're trying to, we're really trying to hear God and walk this thing out the best we can. So there's an update on Normandy. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get invitations on your hand, in your hands on the way out to be able to invite people to the benefit dinner, begin thinking towards that. And I have it written down here, too. We also had four dead raisings in the past 12 months. So, yeah, that's awesome. I believe that brings the total up to right around 17. Let me do this. How many of you in the past 12 months have either received a healing or have been part of seeing someone healed, either emotionally or physically? Raise your hand. I want you guys to look around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yay, God. You know, all this stuff we're talking about, I hope you realize we're not bragging on Zion. We're celebrated that he's using goofballs like us. Like you realize, like we're just so thrilled that any of this gets to happen and that we get to be part of it. And uh, how many of you in the past 12 months have had a financial testimony, whether it be a job, a better job, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, all that stuff. How many of you have had a uh, financial? All right, look around. Yay, God. And so, yeah, we want more and more and more of that. So healing and finances, we are always going to be going after that. 
And uh, I actually feel like there's another wave of healing that's going to come to the church this fall. I really feel like, um, I don't know totally what that looks like, but um, I'm excited about it. I really feel uh, we're going to be going after that. And so, yeah, I, just last week we saw a lady uh, who had a cancerous tumor on her neck. It completely disappeared. She couldn't find the cancerous tumor. So just, just, just starting to ramp up into that thing. So today's Vision Sunday, and I believe this message will be short, brief, and powerful. And so, uh, are you wooing on the short and the brief or the powerful or just the whole thing? It's like, short and brief, yes, yes. So the vision of our church is really simple. It's transform people who transform city. Yes, I love it. Hashtag world changer in the front row. So uh, it's, the tra- it's transformed people who transform cities and influence nations. That's what we're about. That is the heart of Jesus. That is our mission on earth as it is in heaven. It's really not all that complicated, but it begins with pouring into people who become transformed first. And otherwise, it's just become works if you don't have people who are transformed. So let me just tell you this. You are here to change the world. You're not here just like waiting. You know, the church is not a warehouse where we try to keep you busy until you die and get to go to heaven. Okay, it's an equipping center. You know, we say this, you know, the, the church is like a hammer and a chisel. You know, you can use people to carve out a great church, or you can use church to carve out a great people. And so we're trying to use church, the things that happen here, to bring you into your destiny. Jesus says you're the light of the world. Here's what that means. He's going to send you into dark places because you were born to shine. Salt is supposed to add flavor. Uh, that, that's it. That's what salt is supposed to do. You and I are supposed to add flavor to the government. Uh, you are to add flavor to the meal that people eat by being around you in the community, to musical trends, to art, to art, politics, the way business is done in our city. Here's how the message paraphrase puts it. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? And so what I believe um, God is wanting to do is to make a shift in our church in order for us to kind of walk into this next season. And uh, it kind of started back in May. Mary and I went to this conference out in Chalice, Idaho. Who's been to Chalice, Idaho? Nobody. It's a, yeah. Oh, you have? Leave it to Mama Dora. That's all I'm saying. Uh, 900 people in the city, not 900 people in the church that we spoke at, 900 people in the city. And so we're, it's, uh, you know, we fly into Idaho uh, Falls, which uh, the airport's about the size of my closet. And then, um, and then it's a two and a half hour ride past just gorgeous mountains and just amazing things. And even, you know, I'm not an outdoors guy, but even I was struck by it a little bit. I'm going to have to say, I was like, okay, God was on his A game when he did this. All right. And so we get out there. And I'll be honest, I was kind of like a little bit like, man, what am I doing out here all the way in Chalice, Idaho? And I'm like, okay, God, forgive me. Like, let's, let's just go for this. This is going to be awesome. And so they wanted me to do um, finances in the morning and healing in the evening. And so we get there, and there was two very distinct groups of people that sat on very distinct sides of the room that were dressed in very distinct ways and behaved in very distinct ways during worship. You had the intercessors, and you had the businessmen. And the businessmen were wondering, why are you worshiping so long? And why are you waving flags and dress like that? And the intercessors are wondering, why aren't you guys more spiritual? Why aren't you up here twirling and dancing in tongues with us, right? And so, so I'm noticing this. And so we had men in there that some were um, seven-figure, eight-figure, even nine figures in their net worth. And uh, one owned 150,000 hemp plants. I'm like, oh, wow, that, that sounds amazing. You know, I guess that'd be amazing. Yeah, and not marijuana plants, hemp plants, medicinal oil. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Okay. <laughs> And so I just began noticing, and um, 
Mary and I just began noticing God really wants to bring together the priests and the kings. He's really wanting to do that. And it's not just like we accept each other. There actually needs to be an honoring so that the kings become priestly kings and the priests become kingly priests. God's actually wanting to make it so that the, the priest, that's the intercession, the intimacy, the pursuing God, the hunger, the fasting, the soaking in his presence, those people who are focused on heaven that, and, and uh, in manifestations of the spirit, those people, sometimes the weakness of those people is that they don't get anything done and they're broke. They, they don't have the resources. See, kings have affluence and influence. And so what God's wanting, uh, wanting, wanting the, uh, the, pre- the priest to do is to become kingly priests so that they take that platform of the gifting, the natural bent that they have, but they're also able to move so that they're able to have authority and take dominion and take territory. But then you've got the kings over here. Kings, they're the ones who conquer. They defeat the enemy. They go out to war. They, you know, they have affluence and influence. They do these things. But um, God wants them to do it from a place of his presence. And so I believe God is wanting to bring those things together. And so I want to just talk to you briefly about that because it's interesting. Jesus is actually the perfect example of this. Surprise. <laughs> Here you are in church, and Jesus is the example. He is. He's just amazing. Every week it's amazing about Jesus. I'm, I'm, never, I'm never bored of it. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 6 and 10. And in another scripture, he says about this priestly order, Jesus, you are a priest like Melchizedek, a king priest forever. So you had, had the priests, you know, they kind of did like their priestly things. You had the kings who did their kingly things. But then there was this guy named Melchizedek who was actually pre-incarnate Jesus. We know that because in the book of John, he said, Abraham saw Jesus. And so um, when Melchizedek came to him, it was Jesus. He, uh, he came in this, in this human form before he came in his earthly form in, uh, through Mary. He came from this, uh, this priestly line that was also a royal line. Here's how verse, uh, Hebrews 5.10 says, For God has designed him as the king priest, who is over a priestly order of Melchizedek. Jesus is the king of all kings, but he's also our great and high priest. And he was able to bring both of those worlds together. And so God is wanting, his intention is to create a people who could administrate the kingdom with authority, but do it from a place of his presence and a soft heart of worship. I love uh, um, uh, 1 Peter 2.9, but you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings. A spiritual nation set apart as his devoted ones. Other translations say a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, you had one or the other. In the, uh, in the New Testament, we get to be both. Revelation chapter 1, 5, and 6. Now to one who constantly loves and has loosed us from our sins by his own blood, and to the one who has made us, you ready for this? Here, here's what Jesus did through his blood. To rule as a kingly priesthood, to serve God and the Father, to him be glory, dominion, the eternity of eternities. Amen. Some translations say kingdom of priests or kings and priests. But I like how Brian Simmons puts it together, especially since we're going to see him on the cruise. I might have to start exercising or get implants, one of these things. I don't know what's going to happen. It was really sad because I added it up and we could actually only afford one uh, pec implant. And so I thought it'd be weird if I walked around for a whole year with just one. It was like weird anyway, so... Revelation 5.10, you have chosen to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. Uh, In the Bible, it says this, I have prepared your going out and your coming in. You're going out and you're coming in. In another place, it says you're going in and coming out. What's the difference? Here's the word spoken over kings. Going out and coming in is the language of kings. They went out into battles and they came back after battles with the spoils of enlarged territories and had to administrate those things. 
The priests, on the other hand, they would come into God's presence and then go out. And the new covenant, you and I are both to be those, both of those kind of people, the out and in and the in and out. Does anyone else want a hamburger after all this now? <laughs> the term royal priesthood really catches both of these things. We are royal. We have that kingly anointing to have authority to, to see. It's interesting because the, uh, the priestly realm, they will seem probably more gifts of the spirit, and that, that's just kind of their world. And um, so more manifestations of the spirit. The kingly will see more manifestation of the demonic because they're in the ter- enemy's territory, but they'll have more angelic activity. They just might not be aware of it. Priests come before the throne of grace. Kings overturn the thrones of enemies. You get to be both. One is vertical, going up to heaven, back and back to the earth. The other is horizontal, going out and expanding domain and returning to solidify what's just been taken. We get to be both. The believer is called to go up into the presence of God like King David and come back from that presence with strength and strategy. You see, King David did this all the time. He epitomized that royal priest. He was an avid lover of God and a Philistine-destroying machine. Out and in for kings, in and out for priests. Both are for us. Where God is taking us in this next season, we need to learn to be priestly kings and kingly priests. It's easy to separate the two and just which one's natural for you. And so I'm going to have one of my favorite people, one of my favorite speakers, and the most dangerous man in Ohio, our campus pastor, the Pickering campus, Josh Lawrence. So Pastor Jim and I have been talking about this for a couple of weeks now and uh, just really have been feeling the breath of God on it, praying into it. And so he had asked me to uh, really sum up what does it look like to be a priest? Because if we're supposed to be priestly kings and kingly priests, we've got to know what it looks like, right? Amen? And so what what we got to understand is that the highest calling that we can have is to be a priest before God. It's not to be a doctor, it's not to be a lawyer, it's not to be a pastor, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, it's not to be any of those things. The highest calling of a believer is to be a friend of God. And the priests are the friends of God. And so what that looks like and translates in our lives is that it's the worship, it's the intercession that begins to fan into flame the gift of God that he's put inside of us. That's what it does. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says that God puts the fire on the altar. It's the priest's job to keep it burning. Zion, for us to go as far as we're supposed to go, we've got to go as high as we can go. And so the further you go out, the higher we need, we need to go up. As I was praying into this, I, uh, you know, a lot of times how God deals with me and, and speaks things into me is he'll just give me a phrase and I get to explore it. And here, the phrase that he gave me is that he cannot put a, a good seed in a dry womb. The kings need the seeds. The seed of God is his word. It's his strategy. It is his ideas. It is his patents. It's the way the, the, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is advancing and the violent take it by force. It says that of the increase of his peace and of his government, there will be no end. His kingdom is moving out, but it takes strategy to move it. That's God's seed. But he cannot put that strategy, that idea, that word in a dry womb. And so we need that priestly part of us, of who God has made us to be, to prepare a place for God to send the seed. To prepare a place, so, so the kings need the seeds and the, the, the priests prepare a place for the seeds. And we cannot stick a good seed in a dry womb. 
And you can see this in 2 Kings uh, chapter 3, I think it's verse 15. Um, Elisha, he was in a pickle, he was in a jam, he was in this tough place. And the king actually of Israel came to him and said, I don't know what to do. We've got three uh, kings coming against us, we've got armies coming against us. And Elijah says this, before we do anything, call for the minstrel. Call for the worship. Because I can't get a good seed. I can't get a good word. I can't get a good strategy in a dry place. So that worship begins to soften our hearts. It begins to prepare a place. The womb is the creative part. It represents the creative realm of God. That's where the the human is created. That's where babies are created. And so it represents a realm of God that's creative. You need creative strategies, creative ideas, creative movements. You need creative businesses. You need creative ways to to run your employees and to to have strategies and the way that you deal with your families. You need creativity. And so what the priest does and the priestly part of us is as the worship goes up, his blessing and his strategy and his increase comes down. And so for us to go as far as God is calling us to go, we've got to go higher. We've got to have more services where we stumble out into the parking lot and say, I don't know what just happened, but I'm coming back next week to find out more. We need more things that we can't explain because when you cannot explain something, you move past your mind and into your heart. And your heart is what begins to motivate you and move you and have compassion. And when the heart and the mind are in the same place and the mind is submitted to the heart and not the heart submitted to the mind, you begin to have the attitude and the, uh, the, prost, the, the, the posture of Jesus as you go out in advance. Paul says something very interesting. Uh, he, he says, he has this phrase that, that um, you know, we, we quote this verse a lot when we do worship. It says that we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. But the very next uh, part of it, it says we make melodies unto the Lord in our heart. And so I, I believe that the attitude and the posture of a priest and a priestly king and a kingly priest is that they have a singing heart. A singing heart, a heart, and you, you, don't need to make, you don't need to make a noise with your lips. You don't need to have the best octave range or have the most eloquent sound come out of you. All you need to do is have a heart that's after God. And if you have a heart that's after God, you're making melodies to him in your heart. You're releasing worship. As you're sweeping the floor, as you're in a business meeting, you're making melodies unto the Lord in your heart. There's a singing heart, and it doesn't matter if you have a singing heart and all of the world is crashing down around you and there's problems and there's all these things if you've got a singing heart you've got it you've got Jacob's ladder where the angels ascend and descend and it doesn't matter if anything comes around you and and anything comes against you you've got the singing heart and the singing heart is ministering unto the Lord I'll say this story and then I'll get out of the way. The, the, there was one time I was going to this, uh, I was visiting this elderly lady. She was about seven or eight years ago. And I had gone in, I was a young pastor. I had gone in and I, I had all my scripture verses prepared and all my post-it notes of how I was going to encourage her. I got a lesson that day. I go into the hospital room and I go into her bed and, and she was a bag of bones. She, she, didn't, she just died of natural causes, very old in age. And so uh, she went home to be with the Lord. And I went in to encourage her and I got a lesson. This lady had a singing heart. While her body was in ashes, while her body was perishing. So I, I go up to her and, and I say, how are you doing? And, she's, and she just begins to encourage me. 
and, and I'm the one who walks out of there crying and encouraged. Because though the body is perishing, the heart is singing. Though you might have trouble and trial and tribulation, there might be problems and there's territory to take and there's enemies in the territory that we need to overcome. A singing heart in the middle of the battle is what wins the war. I like this guy. Here's what I believe needs to happen is I believe there needs to be in honoring, and in some cases, repentance. I'm not saying everyone needs to do this. Between the priests and the kings. Typically, people will be leaning one towards, more, one towards the other. And sometimes there can rise up in the heart. Here, here's what's going to happen. Is sometimes God will have priests and kings get married to each other. <laughs> can I get a witness? <laughs> Ask me how I know. <clears throat> I remember when Mary and I were married, she would like, be so excited when we're married. We still are. <laughs> earlier in our marriage, she would come to me all excited. She's like, you're not going to believe what happened today. I'm like, what? She said, I saw, I looked at the clock in two different times. It was 11, 11. I'm like, so what? See, for her, a digital clock was not a way to tell time. It was a portal from heaven communicating divine information. That's a priest. <laughs> They're constantly looking for the unusual, for the dreams, the visions, the angelic visitations, the sensing what's happening in the room. I remember we go into a store and she'd be like, do you feel that? I'm like, yeah, it's a little drafting here. No, no, no. <laughs> like the atmosphere, I'm like, I literally have no idea what you're talking about at all. And so I, th- I think what can happen, though, is God puts t- those together sometimes. Not every couple's like that, but a lot of times it is. And so the priest can begin looking at the king and saying, how come you're not more like me? How come your heart isn't to continually be on your face and in his presence and seeking, seeking, seeking and going to church as many times as possible, hitting every conference and using our vacation times to go to conferences? And why aren't you dancing and spinning? And <clears throat> how are we doing? And then the king's like, why don't you get something done? Why don't you? Why is worship service going so long? Like if I were to do that, we wouldn't be able to pay the bills. Like, like, right? There's, there's, this, there's this twin side of it. And I think sometimes you can look at the other one as, you know, the king's not as spiritual. You know, they're not doing these things. They're actually equally as spiritual, if not more, because sometimes the priests can play in the zoo while the kings are out there in the jungle. Okay? And so I, I'm not trying to pit one against the other. I'm saying that at the end, that's a trick of the enemy to say, why aren't you more like me? Well, you need to get based in reality. That's not how the real world works. Well, this is how the heavenly world works. And ask me how I know. (laughs) It's something Mary and I have had to work through and recognize, you know what? God's actually trying to take the things that are in her life and put them into my heart. So I'm doing things from a different place. And the things that are on my life in her heart. And so there needs to be an honoring of that, not just to like, I recognize you're different, but Honoring is an embracing and a celebrating that while God's made you different, and in the, in the Old Testament, the kings and the priests came together. Sometimes it was the priests going out in a battle first, and they were winning the war supernaturally. Sometimes it was the kings taking their armies out, and they would win the bo- battle through brute force, inch by inch. Which one's better? It just depends on whatever God said. So we're going to be going out, coming in, going in, and coming out, but we're going to need to work together on this thing. So my challenge to the priests is... To, um, Wait, not a challenge, let's put it this way. This is what God is going to walk you into in this next season. 
God is bringing together the kings and the priests, and I feel like we need to honor. And when you honor and maybe even repent, like, God, I'm, I'm sorry for looking at my husband, looking at my best friend, looking at my wife this way, just whatever that looks like, looking at the pastors, different staff, whatever it is. Like, Lord, forgive me for judging them for not being more like me. When that happens, here's what you're going to walk into for the priests, is you're going to be walking into territory that God has assigned you. A lot of people have been feeling stuck because they've just been in a prayer closet. And when they're making this this kingly grace that comes on them, what do kings do? They take dominion. They take territory. They take back captives. There's going to be a grace on you so that the things that you don't like will no longer keep you from the things you love. See, successful people do things that they don't want to do so that they get to do the things that they love to do. And the priestly people, when you honor this, there's this kingly thing that's going to come on you. So there's actually going to be a grace that I don't normally like doing this, but I'm going to do this so that I can take territory. And that's a grace that comes on you from kings. To kings, here's, uh, here's what's going to happen to you, is you are going to get to worship God with your life. You're not going to have to spend hours in intercession and fasting while you're on business trips and, and all these other things. You don't have to look like that. It's going to be unique between you and Jesus, but you're going to, be, uh, begin, you're going to have this revelation, it all counts. Whether you're struggling over a computer, typing in numbers, whether you were at home changing diapers, whether, whatever it might be, you're getting recognized. Jesus was just as much in God's will when he was in the carpenter shop as he was raising the dead. You're going to realize that there's a gift in the Bible called the gift of helps, and it doesn't mean you set up chairs in the church. Here's what it means. It was actually an ancient banking term. And so the gift of helps is actually a gift of the Spirit, just as powerful as healing and prophecy. It's a gift of the Spirit on people who have an anointing to make money. How many of you are saying, I'll take that gift? <laughs> There's some people I know, money just seems to hunt them down. And, and uh, what is that? That's a kingly thing. But what God's wanting to do is, is for you to recognize that's a gift of the Spirit. Administration, which is a leadership gift, is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And just begin to walk it out with Him. And so Bill Johnson did this illustration a while ago. It's powerful. But actually, before we do this, I was driving here, and um, I found this dead bird on the side of the road. And I, I thought it's like a kingly thing. Let's, let's practice raising this bird. So in the name, no, I'm just kidding here. It's, it's actually a Christmas ornament. <laughs> I don't know if I could connect it on to me here. I don't know here. I didn't practice this. There we go. It's offensive, I know, I, I have this thing. I remember I did it at a group of pastors, and um, I was the only white guy in the room, so that was interesting. And, uh, and I pulled this thing out, and I said, we're going to practice dead raising. I began walking down the aisles, and women were screaming and running to the other side of the room. Remember that? Like, oh my gosh! And I'm like, I'm like, this is fun. And so, um, what's the illustration? Here's the illustration. Because this is what you're going to get to do. Bill Johnson did this illustration. He talked about how Jesus how when the Holy Spirit came on him, he remained on him like a dove. Thank you, uh, Chris Washington, for not doing the um, pirate noises. And so uh, I did this illustration about five years ago, and Chris was doing the argh noises for having a parrot on my shoulder. And so I just want to thank you for the, the self-control of the Holy Spirit that has been going on. So Bill Johnson said this. He said, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and remained on him like a dove. And he said, if you had a dove on your shoulder, how would you walk across the room? And he said this. He said, um, this is absolutely ridiculous. I know this. I can hardly, I can hardly contain myself. How would you walk across the room if you had a dove on the shoulder? Bill said this. You would walk across the room uh, with, the, with the dove in mind every single step. Every step you take would be the dove in mind. And uh, so, kings, here is what God is going to bring you into, is you're going to have a grace in your life to begin to take every step with the dove in mind. 
realizing that every, every single thing counts. And I, I just say this, you are going to be walking in words of knowledge for business. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm seeing a, uh, someone's got a bad back. I'm saying like, this is the name of the person that we need to contact and bring in. This is the account. I need to make this phone call. I need to send this email. This is the approach. God is going to give you specific words of knowledge so you know exactly what to do in a situation. As specific as someone saying, oh, there's someone in here named Jane and your social security number is this. As specific as that, but for your business and for your families. That priestly is going to get on the kingly, and it's the believer's advantage. He says, I will show you things to come. He says, I will smear your life with favor. So what favor is, is a divine credibility. Where people are like, I don't know what it is about you, but I want to do business with you. What that is, that's the priestly getting on the kingly, so you can function in your calling. Something that challenged me, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm circling in for a landing. Something that challenged me, I just forgot what challenged me. Now I got it. So David, he got downloads for the temple of God. So that's awesome. But then he got downloads for the priests and how they were supposed to do their shifts, right down to the utensils that were going to be used in the temple. And God just began challenging me, because I'll be honest, a lot of times I get the downloads for the big picture, but I'm not trusting God all the way down to the utensils. Sometimes there's a challenge for me to just kind of go with my gut. Yeah, this seems right. And here's what the Bible says. The natural man cannot receive things from the Spirit. I want you guys to get that. It didn't say it's really hard or, you know, hey, one out of ten times. It says um, the natural man cannot receive things from the Spirit. And so, kings, here's what's going to happen is God is going to be able to get, you're going to enter into this season where you don't even want to do it on your own anymore. You don't even want to go with human wisdom anymore. It's just, there's just such an enjoyment of his presence and such an enjoyment of his goodness that you're going to know the way to go, and it's going to be from him. So the transition season, I believe, for God's walking us into is, this, is the priests and the kings coming together. God's raising up a royal priesthood who operate on both the priestly and the kingly anointing. We're to be intimate lovers of Jesus and warrior kings who take possession of enemy territory for the kingdom to rule. This is one of the reasons I love the, the Normandy Project. It's the perfect picture of the intercession, the, the worship room with the intercession coming together with the taking back captives to restore them. You see it happening in the book of Acts in the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell, gifts, tongues, all sorts of awesome stuff happening. And there was such a generosity that broke out where people were giving sacrificially. This was the report said about them. And um, those who have turned the world upside down have also come here. This group of Jewish fishermen, who, a group of Jewish men who smelled like fish turned the world upside down because the kingly and the priestly came together. They didn't just stay in a prayer room. They actually went out and took dominion. So I believe what's coming uh, into our churches are going to be wells of income to serve our city and influence nations better. So we're, uh, we're looking to start a daycare in Pickerington, and that will be a huge way to serve the, mini, the, the city. The city's begging us to start with 80 kids. We're going to start with less than that. Be fruitful before you multiply. Can I get a witness? So that's been about a two-and-a-half-year project. It's, it's been battling the EPA on our water, and so we finally got our, are moving in the right direction on that. Um, you know, they're already renting the commercial kitchen out there. We're looking to upgrade our uh, dining area to be more competitive for running out that space for weddings and banquets. Um, we've also, uh, we just had a rocket scientist come in and consult us. And uh, we're looking at some outside-the-box ideas that these aren't ready to be developed. But I'll just say, like, the ideas are everywhere from, like, putting a housing development on the property of, of Pickerington to hydroponics farms. Uh, just all sorts of crazy things. And I believe in five years we will have businesses that the church owns that will cover the operating expenses of everything. So 100% of your giving goes towards mission in the city and in the nations. I believe that. 
I see entrepreneurship increasing. God told me last fall, entrepreneurship is going to explode. You can begin to see the seeds of it, people getting exciting. Next month, we got a guy who's coming in who will take you through the business canvas model, where you go through the nine parts of a business, how to start it, all the questions you need to ask with the Holy Spirit. Um, I see prosperity with a purpose coming. Uh, We've gotten so many words about uh, the people of Zion prospering financially. And so I'm just letting you know it's coming because God wants to trust you with the kingly part. Kings have influence and affluence. And I see a wave of healing coming. So.